Well, today we are jumping into the book of Jonah. I would suggest that this might be a good book as I, as I preach for you to read along. So you may want to pull up your phone and pull up a Bible app or grab a Bible in the pews. Uh, you can use the index if you want. We're in the minor prophets, these sort of smaller books at the end of the Old Testament. The book of Jonah, and it, Jonah really happens in two halves. And a lot of people, when they tell the story of Jonah, they get the first half, but they don't really talk about the second half of Jonah. And the first half is about Jonah running away, and what happens? What's that? He get, he, well, he doesn't get eaten by a whale. It's a fish, but we're going to get there. And then the other way, he then follows God's plan, and what we find is he doesn't really want to do that either. So we're, we're going to show you, I'm going to show you the two halves, but... But today, as we get started, I want to just start with the end of the first half of the book of Jonah. So Jonah 2.10 says, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. So I want you to imagine for a moment that you have taken your family to the beach. Okay, so you've taken your family to the Mediterranean Sea and you've got all of this set up and the kids are playing in the water and one kid's building a sandcastle and some kids are playing frisbee. Maybe it's grandkids, maybe it's nieces and nephews, whoever it is, but you've gone to the beach for the day and, and you're sitting there in your beach chair and it's just a beautiful day. Not like today outside here, right? You're at the beach and you are enjoying it and, and you have nailed it. Right? You, you, you remembered everything, the towels, the chairs, the toys, the sunscreen, everything. You got it all. And you are having this wonderful day. And then suddenly, a great fish, I mean a big fish, pops up right out there a little bit away from the shore and proceeds to vomit something onto the beach. Now, the text is actually pretty clear that the fish vomits Jonah onto the dry land. I don't know if you understand this, but fish don't go on to dry land, okay? And it doesn't say near the dry land, it says on. So when we say onto, that means there's a launching process, okay? So something comes out of this fish, launches onto the beach. You're not quite sure what it is. I mean, imagine whatever it is, though, the first thing you notice is what? The smell, okay? Whatever this is has been in that fish for days. You know this immediately. And whatever it is has been half digested. And so you can imagine the skin and the whatever that is is gross. It seems to have some fabric, but the stomach acid has eaten some of it away. And then you start to realize it starts to move. It's still alive. And it it's clearly hasn't seen the light of day in days because it's a person and he's squinting and he's kind of looking around and you realize as you've been calling your kids away from whatever it is that it's a person that has been vomited up onto the beach. You can't even tell that it's a person at first and you begin to realize it's a person then you run over and start to help and you share your picnic and, you, and then you, you share your towels you start to clean this person up and what's the question that you really want to know? What happens Right? Like, how did you get in that fish, and how did you get out of this fish and onto this beach? How did you get here? And this man begins to tell you this amazing, crazy story, tale that ends up 
being one of the greatest tales ever put into words, a literary masterpiece that has fascinated people for thousands of years. So now let's go back to the beginning. We're in Jonah chapter 1, and let's start to track how we got to this beach. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. So right away, we don't know why Jonah is doing this. All we're told is, God comes to him and tells him he's supposed to go to Nineveh, and instead he goes to Tarshish. Now Jonah, we're told, is the son of Imitai. That puts him uh, in another verse in 2 Kings 14.25, so we can get some understanding of when this story comes from. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah, and that's the very definition of what a prophet is. Prophets don't predict the future rarely. They actually, the definition of a prophet in the Bible is somebody who hears the word of the Lord and then says the word of the Lord or has a vision and then shares it with the people. And so Jonah is given this word of the Lord, told to go give it to Nineveh, but he doesn't do that. Instead of going to Nineveh, which is in the, the Assyrian Empire and it's, it's in what would now be modern-day Iraq, um, he goes to the coast, to a city called Joppa, gets in a boat to head somewhere else. So God tells Jonah to arise and go to Nineveh, the great city. This is one of the words that you're going to hear a lot in this book is the word great. Okay, whoever wrote the book of Jonah loves great. You're going to get a great fish. You're going to get great wind. You're going to get all these greats. And this is the first of them, this great city. Now, great means Nineveh was a big city. But you need to understand that, that it doesn't mean that Nineveh, like the Israelites thought Nineveh was great. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, and they were actually a terrible, terrible place. Okay, the Assyrians were cruel and they were violent. They tortured their enemies and celebrated their violence in arts and in stories. Um, I'm not going to give you too many examples, but here's a couple PG-13 versions. Okay, the Assyrians were known for, they, they would do this, they would cut off people's legs and one arm so that they still had one arm to shake the person's hand while they died. They were known for decapitating people and then having their families carry their heads around on spikes in a parade through the city. This is the Ninevites. This is the Ninevites. Would you want to go to them? Would you want to go there? They've already, at this point in time, they, they, they're, they're really like a terrorist state. That's how they ruled. And by this time, they've already started to push around Israel, and it eventually, it was, everybody knew in Israel, it was just a matter of time before they decided they wanted to really push Israel around, they could. And in 722 B.C., they did. They came in and wiped out what was the northern nation of, of Israel and destroyed their capital, Samaria. And Jonah is, we had no prophesying a little before that, and he may have actually been writing, he may have actually been called to go to Nineveh after that destruction. So imagine, those are the people that killed your relatives. Would you want to go to Nineveh? He doesn't. 
And so he goes down to Joppa. This is another word you're going to see a lot in this text. The word down. Did you already notice it? He goes down to Joppa, buys his ticket, goes down into the boat. Sort of metaphorically, if you're not going to follow God's will, you're going down. That's how it works. And so he goes down and down. You're going to see some more downs as we keep reading. Okay? We don't exactly know where Tarshish is. Where is this place? Some people have suggested it's a, it was a place in Turkey. Others that really more likely it's towards Spain. It's very far on the Mediterranean Sea. It's probably about as far in the world as Jonah could think of. It was known in the Old Testament times for how, how much gold and silver and tin it had. It's part of how Solomon got so wealthy. Okay? It's like Silicon Valley. Okay? It's L.A. It is a great place. So if you're Jonah, we're, we're not told why Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh. That's a question that holds on until chapter 4. We're not going to see until chapter 4 exactly why Jonah doesn't go. But you can kind of understand it, right? Who wants to go to Nineveh? I'd much rather be a pastor in Tarshish, right? They don't kill you, and the salary is a lot better. Okay, that's, why would you go to Nineveh? He goes the opposite way, down to Joppa, down into the boat, and heads towards Tarshish and away from God's presence. Verse 4, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, they hurled cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give us a thought that we may not perish. So I love this image of God hurling a wind. Like God threw it. Fastball. The wind starts. The sea goes up. The ship is threatening to break apart. The mariners, the sailors, who all sailed on this sea all the time, are terrified. They all start praying to their gods. What does that tell you? They're not Jewish. Okay? They don't have the one true God that they're worshiping. They have all their other gods. These are not Jewish, these are not Jewish mariners. Okay? And so they start all praying to their God. But where is Jonah? He's sleeping. And where is he? He's down. <laughs> He's laying down, down in the middle of the ship. Okay, all, of God, all of Jonah's moves are down. Okay, and so he is sleeping. They go to get him. What do you do in sleeper? Get up. And they begin to ask him to cry out to their God. Verse 7. They said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots. And the lot fell to Jonah. And they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is it that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So they cast lots. 
And the lots tell them that, that Jonah is the problem. And they go and ask him some biographical questions. Like, what are you doing? Why is this happening to us? And I love Jonah's response. Well, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. <laughs> Not enough to follow him, right? Like, I, I fear the Lord. Yeah, but you're running the opposite way. Like, I don't fear him enough to listen. So, so here's the thing. If it's not a lack of faith that causes Jonah to run the other way, because he says, I fear the Lord. Okay, it's not a lack of faith. And it's not really fear. I mean, he fears the Lord, but, but it's pretty gutsy to run the opposite way of what God tells you to do. Then the mariners know that he's fleeing to God and, and, and know that he's causing the storm. And they say, verse 11, then they say to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. And the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us the innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So, so Jonah says to them, throw me overboard. Do you know what Jonah doesn't say? He doesn't say, all right, God, I'll go to Nineveh. He doesn't say, I'm sorry, Lord, I'll do it. He says, throw me overboard. Okay? He still doesn't want to go to Nineveh. He would rather die in the sea than do what God told him to. Let's call this what it is. It's, it's a suicide. I would rather die than go to Nineveh. Why is he so against going to Nineveh? Again, that question's going to loom for a couple weeks. But he, but he does not want to go to Nineveh to a point that he won't even try to apologize to God and ask forgiveness. He just says, throw me overboard. But the mariners, who are not Jewish, who do not worship the one true God because they have all their other gods, what do they do? They try to spare this man's life, and then they start praying to the Lord, and the Lord there is all capitals. So does everybody see what happened? All these mariners that don't worship the one true God are now praying to the one true God. It's like Jonah was sent to be a prophet to people. He ran the other way, and now people are repenting and praying to God despite Jonah. Like, you're going to be a prophet whether you, whether you go the right way or not. This is kind of an interesting moment where God is still using Jonah and his prophetic ministry, even as he's saying, kill me before I will go do that. The sailors ask the forgiveness of God, and then, verse 15, so they picked Jonah up and hurled him into the sea. Same word there. There's so much parallelism. This is such a beautifully written story. They hurled Jonah the same way God hurled the storm. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord. That's all caps. That means Yahweh. That means the divine name. They fear God exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. In other words, they converted to the one true God. 
after they threw Jonah overboard and the sea stopped. These pagan sailors are following the Lord. Everybody, the sailors are following God. Jonah is running from God. Everybody see the irony here? Everybody see what's happened? Then, verse 17, the Lord appointed a great fish. He loves that word great, whoever wrote this, to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So the Lord appointed this great fish. Now listen, the word here is fish. It's not whale. Okay, in Hebrew, they understood there were these giant things called whales. Okay, they had some sort of sense that some fish come up and have to blow air, right? And others are just fish. And this word is fish. And so we've scientifically tried to justify this story by making this into a whale. It's not a whale, it's a fish. And in most Christian art, it's not just a fish, it's like a sea monster. Okay, but it is actually not a whale. It's not the Hebrew word for whale. Um, so three days and three nights in that fish. And next week we'll look the, about Jonah's prayer from the fish. Um, but after three days, three nights in a fish, God sends Jonah flying out of that fish onto the beach to ruin your beach day. Right? And that is the story that of how this man got here. And you can imagine after three days and three nights just how damaging that would be to your skin, to your clothes, to your hair. That is gross if you think about it. This is not a, like, I think a lot of our perspective on Jonah comes from watching Pinocchio. You remember Pinocchio and he's in the whale and it's nice and roomy and, you know, you can talk and no, there's no cricket with you. This is gross. No, this is, this is, this is rough. His skin is all white and pruny, maybe burned from all that stomach acid from three days in a fish. And that's how we got here. This crazy story. Now, the book of Jonah has so many lessons that, and, and, and we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're doing five weeks on Jonah. So we, we got so much to unpack here. But a couple of the main questions of Jonah are already out here in this first chapter. And a couple of them haven't been answered yet. One is, why is Jonah running away? But here's what we can say about Jonah. It's not that he doesn't know God. It's not that he doesn't fear and respect God. And it's not that he's afraid. Like, he's pretty brave. He's pretty brave through a lot of this. He's just brave in a very rebellious way. And so some of the common interpretations of Jonah, that he's afraid, that he... Uh, um, that he is in somehow not sure about God or has a lack of faith. No, he seems to know who God is, and he seems to be pretty brave. So why does Jonah running? We're meant in the story to wonder that until the very end. So that's, we're going to get back to that. Number two, I want to I drop an important question here that we're going to have to continue to wrestle with in the story. And that is, we often read Jonah going into the whale as a punishment of Jonah. Okay, and probably that's part of it, right, Jonah's, but, but also, I want you to pay attention as we go through this story at the amazing amount that God puts in effort to turn Jonah around. Like, if God wanted to actually punish Jonah, he could have just dropped him dead right back there on the, on when he's buying the fare, right? Like, in some ways, 
I, I see the book of Jonah not necessarily as God punishing Jonah, but God turning Jonah around. Like In some ways, God is incredibly gracious to Jonah. And even in Jonah's rebellion, look at how he's still using Jonah to share his love and grace with these mariners that don't know God. And so, so I would challenge you as we read Jonah, not just to think about God being this punishing God, but there's an, a, a tremendous amount of grace in this book that, that I don't want us to miss. So, so watch for the grace, especially later as we consider how Jesus talked about this story. And then there's, there's some application questions about Jonah that already loom in this first chapter. What do we do when God calls us to do something that we don't want to do? Or that for whatever reason, we're not willing to do? What if God asks us to do something difficult, scary, contrary to our thinking? Or more directly, I would ask you today, what is God asking you to do right now that you're running from? What is God calling you to that you're trying to head away from his presence? Okay, that, that what is God calling you to change about yourself or your behavior or your thinking that you're running the other way? Maybe it's time today to do some business with God. Because I'm going to tell you, one of the lessons of Jonah is it's much better to listen to God the first time. It's much better for you if when God asks you to do something, you do it. It is much less smelly. Okay? It is much less traumatic. Because when, when God tells you to do something and you run the way, it always, always means you're going down. That is the direction that you have chosen and you are heading. Much better to listen to God the first time. Hey, how many of you, you had to tell your kids that, right? I want you to listen the first time. I remember saying this so much to my children. The first time. So much better if you listen to God the first time. 